The easiest to sell are typically the the companies that have uh, good again good processes in place because that screams repeatable business. So any it doesn't matter the industry if the processes are in place. Um, anything that is somewhat industrialized is is an easier sell, believe it or not, because you have if the person ha- if the buyer has the expertise and the processes are in place and the books are clean it becomes a very black and white decision. Welcome to Business Impacting the Space Coast, the podcast keeping you in the know on small business in Brevard County. Business Impacting the Space Coast is sponsored by Ideal Impact Media, your partner in video marketing and brand storytelling. I'm here with Stephanie Latner of the Latner Global Group at Keller Williams. Hi, Trevor, good to see you. Um, We are a real estate company. And we help our clients buy or sell residential property, commercial property, or their businesses. Awesome. Businesses. So this is business impacting the Space Coast. Mm -hmm. So tell me about that, buying and selling businesses. It's a specialized expertise. So in Florida, you actually have to have your realtor's license to sell companies. But beyond that, it's not very common for realtors to sell businesses. You you need a, a much more expertise Um, in order to get that sale accomplished. Okay. What are some of those things and what are tips you can give business owners, even if they're maybe not looking to sell right now? That's multifaceted. So most business owners, and I work a lot with small business owners, they tend to go into being a business owner for for some very fundamental common reasons that I'm sure you're aware of. One, they want to be their own boss. They don't want someone telling them what to do. They want to control their own hours. And of course, they think they're going to make a lot more money than if they were working for somebody else. So that desire is is noble, and that's what entrepreneurship is all about. But it doesn't always set the company up for the best possible sale. So what we find is we find that many business owners, they make some critical errors in judgment, if you will, as they're running their business that might be fine for the short run, but doesn't set them up for success when selling the company. Having the end in mind and being able to sell the business when you start it, you're not just creating a job for yourself, you're creating a company, and one day you may want to exit that company. So think about from a buyer's perspective in the future, spent all this time, energy, money, building a brand, building a reputation, building a business that may be centered around you and and your occupation as a job and being your own boss. But what are some specifics that you see are a real problem that you have to unwind (laughs) once somebody finally gets to the point where, hey, I want to retire, I want to sell my business? What are some big areas? Yeah, so we find they fall into four buckets. So the first thing most people do is they're worried about their near-term payment, right? So so business owner will... Uh, get as many clients as they can, clients or customers, they will take as much cash out of the company as possible because it's their company. So they pay themselves very well. They also pay their family members very well. And then they're worried about getting that next customer to keep that cash flow coming into their pocket. So that's the environment that we see most often. But unfortunately, what that does is cause the business to run on a day-to-day basis. And the business owner is not always thoughtfully planning on, oh, how do I fund my company? Rather, 
other than how do I pay my salary. So um, that's one. The second is that we don't see a lot of operational efficiency or focus on procedures and operations. Um, that people feel, most business owners feel like they know what they're doing. They don't need to put those things in place. And we find that's a critical error. The third is accounting. We see at most people may have an accountant, which is good. But the accounting in terms of where am I spending my money in my business? Am I spending it the right way and on the right things? And then is my accounting reflecting that? That's usually totally lacking. And then finally, the fourth bucket is most business owners are highly sensitive to the taxes that they're paying. So they want to optimize that. The way to optimize that is to bring their net income down to zero. So they will expense absolutely everything they can so that it looks as though the company's not making a ton of money at the end of the year, and therefore they can reduce their taxes. And what we find are those four critical errors actually scare, any one of them will scare off a buyer. So from a buyer's perspective, it's exactly what you said. If you position yourself from what does that buyer want to acquire, that's cr- that's critical. So a buyer is going to want to look at that business, and of course they want to care what the salary of the owner is, but they also want to make sure that there is cash in the in the company to grow the business. So if, if there's no cash in the company, they're going to be fearful there's nowhere for this company to go. If there are no operational procedures that are in place, they're going to be fearful that they can't replicate the business, and that's going to scare off somebody. If the, if the accounting is out of whack in any way or it's just not even clean, a buyer is going to look at that situation, and it, it doesn't matter how rosy the picture is that the, that the seller is presenting, they're just not going to believe this story. So everything's in the numbers. They're going to look at the numbers. And then finally, if the net income is zero, um, that's actually how we value companies on a multiple of net income. So if your net income zero, your value is zero. So it's very, very tough to sell a company in that situation. There are ways around it, but it, it makes it a little more difficult. Um, and also, again, if there's no net income, that buyer is really going to be fearful that this is the maximum the company can make and there is nowhere to go. Um, so those four things are actually crushing from a buyer's per- perspective. So what are you doing with your clients who are looking to sell their business? And what does that timeline look like? How long does it take for you to kind of correct that, even if it may be a great business in all these areas, which I can see from a numbers perspective would really scare off a buyer or an investor. What are you doing? How long does that take? Yes, it can take a couple months if the company's in good shape, up to uh, several years (laughs) that we might be working with a company to get them ready for sale. So it just depends on what state they come to us, um, you know, what state they're in when they come to us and how much cleanup we have to do. But what we would recommend to all business owners, if you have the goal ultimately to sell your company, then we would recommend that you obviously speak to a business broker so that you can understand what metrics um, are critical for you to sell the company in your industry, because every industry is a little bit different and what they look at is a little bit different. So that's step one, understand what those metrics are, and then obviously optimize them so so that the buyer is going to look at your business and and it'll be a slam dunk for them. So that process can um, take about two to five years if the company's in bad shape. If the company's in good shape, then it's a matter of just cleaning things up and we can usually get the company sold in a couple months. And what industries are you seeing are usually the easiest to sell, the hardest to sell? What's attractive right now, especially in today's environment and economy? 
There's always a demand. Yeah, that's a great question, actually. I don't think anyone's asked me that one. The easiest to sell are typically the the companies that have, uh, good again, good processes in place because that screams repeatable business. So any, it doesn't matter the industry if the processes are in place. Um, anything that is somewhat industrialized is is an easier sell believe it or not because you have if the person ha- if the buyer has the expertise and the processes are in place and the books are clean it becomes a very black and white decision the most common are bars restaurants um, small retail spaces and those are the usually usually the companies that are a little more messy and um, and so we like to get in front of those owners sooner rather than later so that we can help them we can educate them and they know how to position their company and what to do to clean things up so that they can get an acquirer um, the other difference is too is how financeable is a company so if a company has tangible assets it's making more in revenue it becomes more financeable from a lender's perspective. Bars and restaurants and smaller retail spaces, those are usually only cash deals. So we have to look for a buyer that actually has the the funds available to purchase that type of a company. Speaking specifically of Brevard County, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of commercial space for Mm -hmm. certain types of businesses. But uh, what would you say is most prevalent or maybe uh, the most needed for commercial space in the county? Brevard County is quite a mix. We're not really the metropolitan that that like Orlando is. So some of the properties that are lacking for sure is, is we get calls regularly, like weekly, for from investors that want to buy apartment buildings. And that's just not our um, environment here. So it's very difficult to find a sm- particularly smaller apartment buildings where an investor could come right in, take them over. But there's a big demand for that. It's just no inventory. Mm. Um, we also, thankfully, because I think this is a good match for Brevard County, we have a lot of investors that want industrial space. So warehouse space, um, it's actually easier to purchase the land and put a warehouse that fits your business. Sometimes that's a little easier than than finding the property. Um, there's a lot of misconception in commercial. A lot of people feel, uh, buyers and, and acquirers, think that you can just go buy a building, like an industrial building, and then put in a bar or restaurant or put in whatever business you want. And that's just not how it works. So we do do a lot of education as far as what somebody wants and matching them up with uh, what we have available. The other biggest misconception about commercial property, um, commercial property is very different than residential in that it's not necessarily neighborhood or location specific, meaning you don't pick, hey, I want something in Vieira and then go find the neighborhoods that have it like you do with the house. More often than not, you have to concentrate on the business, find out where, it might not be in Brevard County, it might be anywhere in Florida, where is the best place to run your business business given the type of building you need, the road access, um, any kind of special requirements for the company. And we may have to search statewide for, for that company. What are you seeing as far as trends for Brevard County? So Brevard County um, certainly has had its ups and downs over the years, as we all know. I think we're, we, what we're seeing, not, not I think, what we are seeing in the data is because of the job demand that's coming to the county, which is has been strong and continues to be strong. Uh, and by the way, we follow a lot of the activities of the EDC because they're on the forefront of who's looking at Brevard County, who's coming here, what, what industries are we wooing? And that's very helpful to us on the real estate side, of course. And we're seeing continued demand. So that's great news. Um, That's great news for us. Also, the coast is always on demand. That's that's another good thing is even if we have a bad couple of years, it's going to bounce back because we have a beautiful coast. 
So for those two reasons, we're seeing a, a very healthy future. What we are seeing in terms of, um, um, you might hear some people commenting on a, on a market shift, both in commercial and residential. We're not really seeing a shift so much. What we're seeing is we've had crazy escalation in prices on residential, commercial, on leasing, you name it. There's been just an exorbitant rise over the last few years. And we're now seeing that rise not be quite as sharp. So the rate of increase is what's changing. So we're still seeing a nice, healthy economy, but the rate of increase is not quite as sharp. Awesome. Yeah. And you mentioned the EDC. Mm -hmm. What are you involved with in Brevard County? Definitely follow them. Try to get to as much events as possible. Um, I have to say I love uh, one of the things I love about our Realtor Association here in Brevard is that we're somewhat um, united both in commercial and residential. And as much as possible, they provide to us what's coming soon. So what's happening in Titusville? What are the development plans in Palm Bay? What's happening beachside? And that keeps for, for those of us that love this stuff and get involved in it. We start hearing all of the people that are working behind behind the scenes to keep pushing the envelope on making all of our communities just desirable communities. And that doesn't just affect somebody's quality of life from a residential standpoint. It creates, again, with the job, with mirroring that with the jobs, it creates an environment where people want to move here. They want to stay here. If one job doesn't work out, they feel that there's safety in getting another job here. So all of that just creates an ecosystem that is survivable um, through any downturn. So for me, that's very exciting. That does sound great. And being involved in these groups is a big thing that we do as well. And we're not as familiar with Space Coast Area Realtors and, and the group that's involved there, but yeah. sounds like a great resource for the realtors in our area mm -hmm. as uh, the industry really booms and the economy in general does you know, very well. Yep. I'm curious, as you're working with business owners, kind of circling back mm -hmm. there, if there are some who say, hey, I don't want to sell my business right now, but mm -hmm. I'm smart enough to get a professional involved early, yep. what are some things that you're helping them to maybe even grow their business, not just make it look as good and as attractive as possible to mm -hmm. lenders and potential future buyers, mm -hmm. but even just to grow their business in the right way so that it can scale. And then uh, when it is transitioned, uh, they can maintain that great relationships they have mm -hmm. and their reputation in the community. What are some ways that, that you advise your business owners on that? Yeah, come talk to me. So I have an entrepreneurial background. Uh, that's the thing that gets me wound up. Um, I love it. And and what most people with a background like mine, they they love helping other companies and we do it quite frequently. So there's there's a whole ecosystem just around entrepreneurship. Um, and unless you're maybe, in, unless you know about it, you're in it, you may not, you may not be aware of it, but it's very, very common to meet with meet with business owners, not necessarily um, because they're at the stage of selling their company, but exactly the things you said. Look, how do I how do I grow my business? What resources are available? How can I market better? What do I do? What do I do to get a different client base? Maybe you ha have a client base, but that's not the client base you want, and you need to go in a different direction. Um, what resources are there available to entrepreneurs? outside of Brevard County that we need to be leveraging. So all of those things we have, you know, I invite those conversations constantly, love love having them. And what I've found is that energy is just so infectious that um, that it, it just fuels the fire, right? It just keeps growing and growing and growing just because you're with like-minded people. 
Awesome. Can you tell me a little bit more about your team that specifically works with business owners and clients? Yeah. So we have, we intentionally have a small team. So you'll find in real estate, there will be the single agents that kind of do their own thing. And there will be the very large teams that that's their business model. We've tried both, to be honest with you. And I, I in particular, like a very small team that are more like a SEAL team, if you will. Uh, and I don't, I don't mean to offend anybody in the military with that comment. But what I mean by that is that they are experts at what they do. They are available to our clients that we don't take on too, take, take on too much or something that we can't handle. And that our clients are all, we are always available to our clients. And I've just found with a small team that's more manageable and that the caliber of people that you have on the team rises because every, you can give them your full attention and they're and full mentoring versus getting to a team that's a little too big. And then things start falling through the cracks a little bit. For business owners that are looking to grow their top line before they really start taking a close look at selling or mm-hmm. as they're fixing up some other issues in the process of possibly selling their business, mm-hmm. what are some pieces that you are giving to them from a marketing and advertising to maybe get a little bit more growth in the doors? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of processes. And in my entire life with working with companies, what we found is when you focus on the process, you can optimize the process and you can see the results. If there's no process and you're really uh, concentrating on organic growth, it's going to be all over the place. It, it just is. So we, depending on the company, we have to get into their business, uh, their business details, and we have to find out, do they actually have a strategy of obtaining customers? Do they have a plan that supports that strategy? And then how well are they operating to that plan? And so this makes a lot of business owners a little bit uncomfortable because they view advertising really more as awareness campaigns. And they think if they advertise enough, People will know about them and they'll walk through the door. Mm-hmm. And while that might be okay to some extent for a restaurant, if you will, it's really not a great strategy. It's not a strategy at all for most companies that are not in the retail space. So, um, so that's where we that's where we start. From awareness to conversion, talk to me a little bit about that process, how you're developing it, and what are the steps along the way for something that's a little bit more of a complex sale. Yeah. So we will, um, so obviously there are multiple prongs to awareness. So we will review, is there awareness, is there, what are the prongs that they're using? Are they just, do they just have a website? Are they doing direct marketing? How are they targeting their customers? What do they send their customers? Do their customers actually know they exist and know they can serve them? So it's pretty, it's pretty broad and deep. Then from there, we go to marketing metrics. And this is something that most companies don't actually measure. Um, but we'll, we'll get in deep with them about what are they doing to acquire a customer and what do those metrics look like? What is their return on their investment? And obviously we optimize the things that are working and we really scrutinize the things that aren't. Um, and then from there it's, okay, now that you now that your customer knows about you and they've made contact with you, we view conversion as actually getting them to be your client, right? So what are you doing in that conversion process to actually secure the customer? And again, from a restaurant, it could be that they made a a point of sale purchase, but for a company that's more complex, it could be a multi-year deal that they've got to secure. And what is their process for actually getting that nailed down with all of the right details so that they can feel secure that that person they've been wooing for the last six months is actually going to sign a contract with them? 
We love working with small businesses. Uh, more specifically, right now we're doing a lot of professional services mm-hmm. and contractors, you know, service tradesmen. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing working very well for this type of businesses? Professional services, hands down, the thing that works the best are testimonials. I mean, that is that is what we see really causes somebody's business to go from its infancy stages to high growth. So clearly, if you help people and you do a good job, uh, like-minded people are going to ask, hey, who did you use for, for whatever service? That's definitely the most effective. For contractors, um, it depends on it depends on the business. Um, if it's something like a plumber or electrician, it's the same kind of a deal. It's, it's word of mouth is what's the most effective. Um, the local networks that um, inter- internet Facebook pages, etc., those are very influential. Um, so for tradesmen in particular, you probably want to build your reputation on those particular Facebook pages because that's that word of mouth is is uh, it works. Awesome. So yeah. different platforms really taking advantage of mm-hmm. some of the resources out there and then leveraging certain digital media and mm-hmm. making sure what's outward facing is is clean right. for anybody who may be on the journey to buy from you or buy in your class of business. Yeah. And for contractors, it's, this might be a little, uh, this might, this might be apparent. It might not. Um, we, we, find that a somebody that is an tr- expert at a particular trade but also has that professional demeanor that's a slam dunk because everybody feels comfortable with them sometimes we'll find a, co- a contractor that is excellent at their trade but they don't necessarily have that polish that maybe they need in interfacing with a lot of different types of people and that can hurt their business they might be the best they might have the best prices but that can hurt because it hurts from a trust standpoint hmm. so that's maybe the only thing I would advise on the, on a, on a trade type of business. So what should they do? Should they have a salesperson? Is that what they should look to hire not, to yeah, kind of uh, fill that gap? Actually, not necessarily, believe it or not, because sometimes people don't want to talk to the salesperson. They want to talk to the person doing the work. Yeah. So I think it's just maybe a little more focus on the fact that that is part of your part of your trade and part of being good at your trade is also the communication part. And so it might be just, you know, softening, softening the edges a little bit. Awesome. Well, Stephanie, I really appreciate you joining me here at the Perkins in Vieira, uh, right in front of our office. And where can people find you? Yeah, they can find me online at one of our websites. Um, I'm sure you have the contact information or they can give us a call. We'd be happy to talk with them. Yep, that'll be linked right below. Appreciate it. Thanks, Stephanie. Thank you. Business impacting the Space Coast, where Brevard gets down to business. Sponsored by Ideal Impact Media, your partner in video marketing and brand storytelling.